0: Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Jennifer Hobbs, with Celebrate the Struggle, where my mission is to encourage myself and other people to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, to be able to just reflect upon our lives, our struggles, and take a look at how we are amazing. Like, we might be a hot mess and struggling, but we have persevered to this point made the choices we made to get through it. And so let's let's give our struggle a little bit of space, acknowledge it, but I realize that it's not going to define our future. So I'm very lucky today to have with me, Michael Hood. He is an army retired veteran, and now he is a veteran peer support specialist and a mental health advocate. So welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you, uh, glad I could be here today.
0: Me too. I I love even just like reading that you went from reti- your retired veteran and now you're an advocate for veterans um, that I knew already that I liked you the minute I read that. I love when people step into the, the service of giving back. And for those of us that, that have been through struggle or trauma, like I It's nice when you get to the point to like realize that you want to help other people through that now. So tell us and the listeners a little bit about like, where did Michael come from? What's like, how, how did you get here to this point to where you wanted to be a veteran peer support specialist?
1: Well, I, uh, you know, I joined the Mississippi Army National Guard as a senior in high school. And I went to basic to training in the AIT at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, uh, right after graduation <clears throat> as a uh, 13 Bravo cannon cocker. And, uh, and then in 1989, they sent me to chaplain assistant school to reclass as a chaplain assistant. I deployed uh, with 112th Military Police Battalion, uh, Mississippi National Guard, uh, in August 1990 uh, to Desert Storm. We were for nine months. And then I came back and I transferred to active duty in November of 92. I was reclassed as a cook because of my hearing loss that I had suffered in Desert Storm. Uh, so uh, the next 20 years I spent as a cook in the army. Uh, I did three to three tours to Iraq, one to Afghanistan. And so in April of 2004, right after I got home from my first deployment, I thought I was in Iraq, I was driving down the middle of a highway like we do, uh, dodging IEDs, dodging trash piles, dead animals, everything that we were taught that might be in IED potholes. And so I got home as the weekend, I said, okay, this is gonna pass by Monday, I'll be okay, but it didn't. So I went to mental health at Fort Hood, mm-hmm. where I was stationed. And all of a sudden, red flags went up all around me because my commander wanted to know why a staff sergeant who uh, was going to mental health without telling anybody. I didn't realize there was a protocol. You know, I just thought it was like a sick call. You go to mental health, you go to doctor, you know? So, uh, and then I spent the next eight years On that duty till my retirement in 2012 um fighting the system trying to stay in and learning learning things that i could tell other people to help them get through it because all of a sudden i was on the other side of the line because now i'm mental health You know, so I have to be evaluated before every deployment, be evaluated after every deployment. Uh, And of course I was going to mental health in between. So conversations were pretty constant between my NCOIC, my commander and first sergeant as their concern. When me, I told them, look, I said, mental health will never be an out for me. I will never use it as an excuse for not doing my job. I said, I just have changed how my mind works because of the depression and anxiety. So I, it may, it looks different to me but it will look the same to you. I said, there will be no change in how I do it. How I think and how I process it is what's gonna change. You know, so you won't see anything. And for eight years I did my job. You know, I never got recommended for anything, any kind of bad conduct or any kind of I'm coming or anything like that during my last eight years. And I made four deployments, you know. Mm-hmm. I even ran the dining facility at Camp Victory in Iraq in 2007 to 2009. was a vision-sized dining facility. So, you know, even after a while, I'd convinced my leaders that, hey, I'm going to be okay. But I still had that bear on my back because I knew at any point a commander could recommend and I would be done you know, and that is just the unfortunately sad case. And so after I retired, uh, I was trying to find my place in veteran world. I volunteered for uh, numerous veteran events, helping people uh, with cooking and stuff since that was my forte, Uh, you know. And then finally, um, I started getting into peer support and really kicker for it was COVID. When everything shut down, I realized that all the veterans had just lost all of their socialization places to go to, VFW, American Legion, wherever. And all of a sudden they were alone. They were by themselves at home. So I started my own Facebook page, Help the Veterans Standing in Front of You, which I have now over 25,000 followers. And that was my springboard into peer support, and so now I do, I do it free of charge because I'm 100% disabled, and I'm 100, and I have my retirement pay, which takes care of my financial need for my family. So uh, I do it just uh, to to help my veterans, you know. So anytime that people. Uh, contact me on Facebook or whatever, you know, I'll talk to them about everything. And the first thing that I always tell them, I said, are you having mental health problems? And, you know, I use the word every day, a hundred times a day. You know, I never call it anything else. Other people want to call it something else. But Mm -hmm. to get rid of the stigma, we have to call it what it is.
0: is. Mhm. That is you just nailed it right there with that. Like, we just need to call it what it is. Let's not tiptoe around it. You know, when your story of uh, having to tell them like, look, my mental health will not affect me, my performance and hearing about your journey through that, it reminds me of something that I have learned about over the last six months trying to educate myself so that I could best help veterans and their families or just anyone from struggle. And it reminds me as I was learning about the different kinds of stigma, one of them is structural, like in the setting of the army, like where like, no, like you're a staff sergeant and you, you can't, you can't have mental health issues. And in my opinion, it stinks that you even have to be put in the position to, to speak the words, hey, like, look, m- my mental health will not affect my job because you shouldn't have to say that. And, and so as I mentioned, structural stigma, it also reminds me of another term I've heard uh, called sanctuary um, stigma, where in certain environments that we expect there to be a safe environment, we expect it to be supportive. And that reminds me of sanctuary, sanctuary stigma, like the army that you signed up for and sacrificed, you know, to give back to the army and our country, then turning around and Not being supportive like that, that stinks. That's like a perfect picture of structural and sanctuary uh, stigma. But that's really, I love that for me, I also had something like, you know, a life turning moment come from COVID. But I love that it was COVID that made you think and have empathy that, like, wow, all these veterans that had these social places to go to no longer have that like I i will be honest not that I'm proud of it I mean I'm get bet everyone's just like me but until you speak that out loud and say that to me I never thought about that you know I got so wrapped up in COVID and all the things in my life that it that never dawned on me and holy cow that is such a that's takes away everything for them then you're isolated and alone and so I love that that was the the moment that your initiative and your passion to want to help and give back to other people I love that it started there so you said you started a Facebook group called help the veterans standing in front of you I will make sure to put that into the notes of this show so that people uh, will be sure to go check that out. I also am not in that group yet. So I want to go check that out. So my next question for you, um, first of all, thank you for sharing all that with us and being vulnerable enough to, to say, you know, that you were dealing with mental health issues and like had to sit there and and own that, you know, being in the military. So I, talking to all these veterans for you and like trying to help advocate for uh, their mental health and um, being a support to them, I can only imagine that like, it also can take a toll on you and certain triggers. And so my question is like, I know you get rewards from that, like I, I get, I get spiritual and um, mental health rewards just from talking to veterans like you. Um, I know you get rewards from it, but I can also see that you have to make sure you take self care for yourself. And so, something that I always ask my guests is, um, "What do you do or try to stay consistent with?" Uh, to keep your spiritual, mental, and physical self to take care of it? What have you seen positive effects from? And so you know it helps you, and so you try to be consistent with it.
1: Well, I journal. You know, I purge my thoughts. Uh, It's something I've been doing for I don't know how long, probably 20 years now. You know, and it is a lot of, and I don't go back and reread my journal. You know, I just leave it as it is. Whatever I wrote, I wrote. I just get it out so that it's out and we can deal with it, you know, because a lot of times if we keep things bottled up, we really don't understand the situation. So maybe I was angry at somebody, but it really wasn't angry. I was disappointed in their behavior, and I got angry because I was disappointed, you know. And so now I, I identified the real emotion. You know, and when you identify the real emotion, you can cope with it. So then I'll like, okay, I'll take some deep breaths. Uh, I love listening to certain songs. So I have like four playlists on my phones, on my phone for each thing that I need to cope with. You know, so, you know, I'll just hit the play button, I'll listen to the music for a while. And then uh, I have, uh, You know, like for my, when I went through anger management, I made statements, uh, wrote down on a card that I carried around, like statement, like I got angry, but I didn't explode. So that's progress, you know? And so it's good to give yourself an attaboy when you go through a difficult situation and get through it and not, and you made a progress from the one episode before. So if you're making good progress, that's when you give yourself rewards, you know, so, and then, you know, I like going fishing, you know, even though weather's changing, I may not catch anything, but I just sit out there, listen to the birds singing, listen to the wind blowing in the trees, you know, and just relax, you know, and then, um, finally, you know, it's just, uh, meditation, you it know, is. um, you know, um, used to I didn't like silence it used to bug me but now I'm it may be getting older or something I don't know but now I enjoy silence I because do so. that is when I feel like that my mind is the clearest and I can really process some of the heavier stuff that I'm dealing with. Absolutely.
0: It definitely helps to give clarity. I like that you mentioned that. That's cool that you journal. I love to write myself. Um, actually right now I'm working, uh, not working, but my publishing company who publish my book that, um, I wrote in the past year they brought me on to lead a veteran writing group and so that's been amazing as I have started this first one but I love that you had said um, you make sure to give yourself an attaboy like I'm glad we're talking about this because another thing you know in addition to the listeners hearing stories and being enlightened and hearing about things that they don't know about and even though it might be a little uncomfortable and like, Oh my God, seriously, the army did that. Like it's real life and it happens, but I also want people to come on here and, and give hope to other people that like you can persevere. And and so like by giving them ideas of the different tools or strategies that you use for your own self care, I like that, you know, we can give them some ideas. So journaling, awesome. And making sure you put in there, praise for yourself at a boy, like that, that brings me to another uh, strategy. I really want to tell you and the listeners about, because it has helped me and, um, maybe it'll help somebody listening. Like when it comes to, it's kind of like you're journaling, but, um, it's, it mirrors it a little bit. It's, uh, like a to-do list instead of expecting yourself to get like you know, my to-do list looks crazy right now. I try to, and I've kind of gotten out of the habit, if I'm being honest, but at certain times in my life, when I am good at it, I'll do a daily, like, here's a list of three priority things. I do still do that. And then one thing that uh, you Oh, no, 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 three and three, three things I need to get done. And three things that I did get done or that I did well that day. And so I still somewhat do it as I write down like my daily gratitude but for anybody that like runs on a to-do list and like is you know obsessing about it and then gets down on themselves for not getting enough done that is a strategy to take away to either give yourself a moment to journal or give yourself a moment to just write down three expectations for the next day but three things that you did well or accomplished for the day so I'm glad you brought that up you said that, uh, I want to go back to, you said that you had um, anger management classes. Where did the anger come in at? Was it just kind of a one of the symptoms of having post-traumatic stress? Um,
1: you no, know, I think it came from the Army, uh, from the intensity level that we had to focus on. Like I said, I worked in Chow Hall. And so there's 30 minutes prior to the meal is when the intensity ramps up because everything has to hit that line and has to be ready 30 minutes prior and everything has to be right. There can't be any mistakes. There can't be something late hitting the line or anything because you don't want to be late opening child hall. And then you have the pressure of 15 to 20 cooks that that are under you to make sure that they're doing their job, you know, and you have Mm -hmm. to make sure that everything's going well with them. And in an Army child hall, and in the Army itself, yelling at people is an accepted behavior, you know, because it just is. You know, we can yell at people all day long, and most of the time, and we have the the difference between civilian and military is we have the authority to back it up. And, you know, in the civilian world, we don't, you know, so when I started working in civilian kitchens, I would still do the same behavior yelling at people and so finally you know one of my bosses came to me and said hey man you're a great worker you work really hard your army uh army experience is pays off really well here because you work harder than anybody else you do excellent work because you are very detail oriented you make sure everything is down to the uh, ingredients you know you're not trying to a little little personal touch on my recipe or something like that you know Mm -hmm. and but he said you got to quit yelling man he said it's just not gonna work so Mm -hmm. I went to a therapist and 10 minutes into the conversation she goes you got anger management problem I was going wow that was quick Mm -hmm. I didn't expect to get diagnosed that quick but I guess the yelling was the kind of tipping the scale and so she said we can get it under control so it took me about a year of therapy uh to get my anger management under control and then it was a domino effect then my high expectations I had to bring them down because they were way up here in the army level and they were never going to be met it just it wasn't going to happen you know because the army is here And civilian life is here, you know, civilian kitchen, you're just not going to get it, you know. So I worked on my expectations, and then I worked on my emotions being tied to my expectations, which was driving it. So that was kind of, now that I look back, that was really the changing of me that caused me to realize that there are a lot of people like me that get out of the army that can't survive in the civilian world because it's just so totally foreign to us. And that's another reason why I do peer support is to help them transition. You know, I I, taught, I worked with an Air Force guy here in Fort Worth and he said, I'm scared to death of the civilian world, you know? And that's probably, if you probably ask 90% of the people coming off active duty, you would probably get that response because it's just so foreign. Yeah. Everything we do is so completely outside of the mindset of a, of a civilian uh, worker civilian anybody you know and it's just so hard for them to understand how we can't leave the army one day go the civilian job the next day in fact one that's the same working in the kitchen and be okay with it right I, I said if i fired five of y'all and hired one more of me we'd get this done
0: <laughs> yeah
1: you know it wouldn't be any problems but I obviously not gonna happen but I'm just giving an example I, that's just how we would work so you know so going like I said the struggles I've been through now I can know what it what it is and I can say okay yeah and somebody will say hey I've been having trouble with this and I'll We'll start talking, and then it eventually goes, yeah, that's exactly how I feel, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I uh, am writing a book now Yeah. addressing those issues because I want people to know that, hey, it's normal to go to work and watch everybody else drinking coffee while you're over there busting your butt because that's what they do, mm-hmm. you know, and nobody's going to tell them any different all it's going to do is just frustrate you and drive your blood pressure up and cause you to really get upset at people when it's completely out of your control. You know, and it took me another two years to let go of trying to control other people. You know, I couldn't do it. I had to let that go. I had to finally get down to me, myself in the kitchen, nobody else. Don't worry about what Joe Smo's doing over there. You worry about what you got to do. If the chef comes over and say, Hey, go help Joe Smoe, then I'll go help him. But mm-hmm. don't try to don't try to let people's other people drive your, your uh, emotions. Right.
0: I, one thing that you said that I have never just because I haven't taken anger management classes like clearly you've learned this strategy through that and so I love that you enlighten us on like you had to learn to adjust and lower your expectations that's interesting to think about because like for myself um my husband yells a lot and he doesn't see it as yelling um it's something we're working on he's working on and um And when I think about like, why, why is it that he yells so much? Like, is it because the environment's overstimulating, like, what is it? And right there, when you say like, you need to lower your expectations, that kind of makes things more clear for me. Because like, when he's like, Hey, you know, like hollering at the kids for certain things, it's like in my skin, I'm crawling like, Oh my God, stop yelling. Really? You're yelling about that. And it, so it really does come down to it. Like maybe we don't, need to not expect these things as a and then in in the the end like just yell about it that's interesting advice to be able to identify that you need to lower and adjust your expectations i like that one time i heard um not dealing with anger management that someone had i read somewhere like first thing you need to do is lower your expectations and then it said I think it was talking about parenting it was an article on parenting and like I think I was a new mom and just getting stressed out over stuff and I read this article and it was saying like you need to lower your expectations and then it said and then you need to lower them again and I that always stuck with me I was like oh okay all right that'll help me not put so much pressure on myself so you're writing a book that's fantastic like um are you, so you said you're talking about the the anger management and like the different things with that? Very cool, very cool. Do you know when we should expect to see
1: that? Uh, it's in the second reversion, and I'm hoping that's going to be the last one. It's only like 50 pages long, mm-hmm. um, but it's just uh, condensed down to just the, uh, you know, Uh, talk about adjusting to your family life because especially if you've been deployed about how you're coming back and you're finally staying home you don't have any other responsibilities other than your job and so now your family needs to become more of a more of a priority and then I talk about you yourself how you can integrate with other veteran groups and how and then I talk about purpose. Purpose is a huge one for right. betters because we've had a purpose of being a soldier or, or sailor or whatever, you know, of trying to find a purpose. And then I talk about uh, mental health. I have a chapter in our mental health because I want that to really be the standout chapter because it's really the basis of writing it because I feel like it is so under talked about, especially, you know, like I said, you know, in army, you know, I know back in the early nineties before it really became a big issue. We used to, I even did it, you know, used to make jokes about mental health and about being crazy and everything, you know, but it's just so much difficult, you know, to have a conversation with somebody and that's why when I'm talking to a veteran, first thing I'm addressing is his mental health. I need to know where he's at. Mm-hmm. I need to know if he's in complete denial, nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. Or if he's seeing a therapist or if he's on the other side and everything's going to shit in hell in a handbasket. Right. And he don't know what to do, you know. I need I need to fill that out, and it's difficult through a Facebook conversation, you know. But but eventually, I can get that, and you know. So uh, I think by midsummer, we should be having it in print.
0: Awesome. Wait, what's the name of it?
1: It's Help the Veteran Standing in Front of You. Oh, perfect. Um, well, the right. reason the reason I, I I you know I had that thought back in December of uh, nineteen. And it took me like six months to really develop into what I want. But it's about helping in person right next to you. Not trying to look at the broad, up in the air, uh, big picture. Because those big pictures won't ever work. You know, uh, it's just, I, I I have respect for all the big organizations. But when I can get on Facebook or wherever and I connect with a veteran and we have a conversation, then I'm good because I know that that is where the need is the greatest. It's just being able to walk up to somebody, you know, at a club or whatever, and just say, man, how you doing? You know, uh, since the way I last talked, you know, how things going. It's just reaching that one veteran, not trying to reach a thousand of them just reaching that one and then move on to the next one, you know, and being there, you know, the consistency. Once you, once I tell a better, I am there for you, then I will not go away anytime. Now if the better tells me I don't need your help, cool, I'm good. But you still have my contact. So if one day it takes a tank dive and you need, to talk I'll be here you know and I've had that you know I've waited six months on a better knee, finally came back to me said, okay man all right let's talk and and that's the thing you have to learn in peer support you have to let them be the one that's ready you know you may think you know that he's ready but he's not ready he or she's not ready until they come to you and say okay man all right. So tell me what's going on. Tell me what I need to do. And I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to listen, no judgment. And that's a safe zone, you know, I say that to everybody in the first conversation, because I want them to know that I'm not going to use these words that people's used on me. Oh, it's all in your head. Get over it. You're such a big wuss. You know, what are you doing? You're a soldier in the United States Army. You know, oh, man, get over it, you know. And, you know, PTSD and and depression and stuff never goes away. It gets better over time if you're recovering and you're healing from it, but it never goes away. And that's what people think, that they can go to a therapist for 10 sessions and say, hey, man, I'm good. I got everything under control. No, you probably just cracked the surface there. Yeah. You probably didn't didn't really get into too much because one, you're probably avoiding it, and two, it's just you're got that pattern going back. I went to therapy. I'm good, and it's sad that seventy percent of veterans that go to VA after their second visit don't come back ah. because of the treatment. Because in VA, they're sitting there talk, typing on a computer, asking a questions, question, never making eye contact, never really, really having that, you know, focus on the better, you know, because of the fact that they're check the block. They just want to make sure, hey, okay, you know, you're suicidal, or you're homicidal, you know, they don't ask you like, I've lost a couple, I lost a good friend two weeks ago. You know, but I'm in a place, mental health-wise, I can handle that myself. But if I wasn't, I went to VA, I was, you know, they would be like, oh, okay, what's going on? Oh, I lost a friend a couple weeks ago. Oh, man, I'm sorry. What else? You know, and they just keep going. And uh, Dr. Shoner Springer in her book, The Warrior, addresses that issue and says that she would love to be able to pull every... VA psych doctor into the room and say look you need to get personal and of course that's a st- extremely big choice you know because you know as well as I do once you start getting personal with a veteran then you got to be willing to go down the rabbit holes that that veteran wants to go down. Mm-hmm.
0: I love your mission I mean it's I love it uh I really hope you know I, I want to say this year only because I am happy that um, I, I hate that I'm all over the place sorry let me get it together I hate that the VA has such a turnaround a turnover in staff and that makes me scared to think that I will lose the psychologist that I have now but our psychiatrist but this the counselor and the psychiatrist I have there now like I do. I, I appreciate them. And like today I I saw my psychiatrist and she's like in there cussing with me about some stuff that I'm going through. And she's like, that is effing trash. And I was like, yeah, I know. So like, I really hope I don't lose her, but I hope that around the the United States that like, that we're starting to get better at the VA. I hope that they're starting to really reflect on the fact that we do need to be listening more. And so that takes me back to what I had said about, I love your mission because one of the things that I, I just wrapped up after my first book, Calmed um, calmed Growth After Trauma, I wanted to try and see how best I could help family and friends. And so through conversations before I decided to start a podcast, I was trying to figure out well what do i want to help them with well i really want to best help veterans and so i think supporting and equipping their families and friends with light enlightenment understanding and like the the skills and strategies on opening up that conversation and and listening having those uncomfortable conversations so I had built. uh, I built a framework where my mission is to educate people on that framework, and everything you just said like is is identical to it. Like, you don't sit there and tell them what they should do. You just listen, because in the end, like people telling us what we should do, unless you want to do it and you've been able to identify that you need to do it, it's not going to do anything for you. So just listening. And so I hope all the all the people listening right now, anyone that knows like a veteran or a non-veteran that's struggling with something that you want to talk to them about number one get away from those comments like get over it what's wrong with you you've been to therapy blah blah don't 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 even speak them but number two open your ears and like Michael said they may not be ready then so just wait wait and wait, and you make it clear that you are there to listen when they are ready, because if and when they are ready, they'll know that you are a safe ear to talk to. So I love that you said that because that's what people need to know, and that's what I really want people to take away from celebrate the struggle. I love that you're writing a book. We will make, I'm gonna put that stuff, uh, the title of it and your Facebook group in the show notes. And then when it does, I'll keep in touch with you. And when it does publish, I'll update the show notes to have the link to getting your book. So I have another question for you. You're clearly doing a really good job following like your passion to help veterans. And I, I love that it, it's clearly having such an impact. And it's only been what a couple of years since COVID hit. So if, and I ask all my guests this because I I really want to hear and I want people to like dream big and just know the impact that you can have on people. If money and resources weren't an issue, what are your hopes and dreams? Like if you could take your passion and make it bigger, 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 what, what would be some of your hopes and dreams?
1: Well, my first hope and hope would be that all veterans, regardless if they're combat or not combat, would be able to get the help they need with their mental health, you know, not be shunned aside or kind of frosted over, you know, and and having somebody in their life whether it be a peer support a friend a therapist or whoever that they know that they have one person that will not judge them and will not um, you know uh, call them names or whatever you know they'll just listen you know just kind of like a sounding board you know because i feel like that you know, as as veterans, we are not understood by the general population because we're just so different, you know. And so just having somebody who can be there in their corner, you know, with mental health and, like I said, no stigma no anything, you know. And then the second thing would be is more people will tell their story mm-hmm. because by more people telling their story, and sharing the uh, hope and recovery and healing that they've gotten uh, through their experiences and how they've grown and how they're a better person today because of the uh, mental health issues that they had before. They've learned to live with them, learn to use them as teaching moments for people, uh, for themselves and learn that you can be whoever you want to be with mental health. You know, it's not a roadblock to no. anything, you know. And then finally just being able to uh have people just you know uh we hadn't talked about suicide much, but suicide. You know, it is the, the second thing after mental health advocate for me is suicide prevention. You know, it's being able to, for people to be comfortable talking to another friend about suicide. Because we need to get to a point where we on the ground next to the person is the most comfortable person around that can ask that question. Are you thinking about killing yourself today? You know, because a lot of times we'll beat around the bush. We'll say, "Are you thinking about hurting yourself or whatever?" But when you put that shock question in there, "Are you thinking about killing yourself?" It chokes that reality. And it's like, "Oh no, man, no, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just having a hard time." But you ask the question because you need to make sure that that person is 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 okay. You know because if we don't ask that question and then something happens and first of all let me preface this it's not your fault that that person commits suicide okay even if you do ask the question you still don't know okay so people try to take on some guilt because oh man I knew him I should have seen it coming you don't know you can't you even you, you can read in mind. You still couldn't do it, you know. It's just, it's just one of those things that you, you have to accept is that's what that person was going to do, you know. And but I, I wanna that I, I feel like that that's the second thing after the stigma with mental health is the segment with suicide, because a lot of people will tiptoe around and kind of go, "You okay? Is there anything I can do?" you just come straight out and say are and the myth is uh if i ask him about suicide he'll commit suicide no he won't. yes that is you know it.
0: and honestly like i i didn't become enlightened about suicide prevention really until the last four to five years and and that is totally like i i feel like i fell into the stigmas that's put out there in the society of like like oh gosh if I tell them like are you if I start talking to them about it and they think that I think they're going to kill themselves then oh gosh is that going to be a trigger and so I've definitely learned that that is not the case I'm glad you brought it up because as we got wrapped up in our conversation I forgot that you had mentioned that you are also an advocate for suicide prevention Um, I actually thought about suicide earlier in the conversation when you mentioned that your, uh, group and your book is called help the veterans standing in front of you. And you were talking about how, like all these big groups, you know, help thousands, you know, whether that's monetarily or going to Congress, whatever. But, um, I was thinking when you said that out loud, uh, recently I, I read, um, I think it was the motto of a, of a suicide prevention non-for-profit. And it said, uh, one at a time, one until 22 is done. And that reminded me of it. Like talking to one person at a time is going to tap into that 22 far more than like, you know, the funding of something that completely unrelated to mental health. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. There was something else. Oh, another thing I was going to say was, which I happen to have the shirt on under the sweatshirt today. uh, Through the Wounded Warrior Project, which I tapped into over the last, since since COVID hit, I tried to start doing some of the virtual events. and, And I really... I really have been happy. I know there's a lot of different feelings about, you know, different non-for-profits and that one and its reputation and things, but from my experience of these events that I have attended over the last couple of years, I have been, it is I have benefited from it, you know, talking on Zoom with other veterans. And it might be a painting class, and they sent me the paints and the canvases and the paintbrushes. Or it was a, a, a book, um, an author came on. So they sent the books out. We all read them and got on. So, uh, but one of them was the Overwatch Project. And the Overwatch, yeah, you see you nodding your head. The Overwatch Project listeners, for those of you that don't know what that is, it is another non-for-profit that is working toward bringing that 22 down and having more suicide awareness and prevention and their motto is just fucking ask. And excuse my french there but that's what it is and they really advocate toward asking and then like um for like uh firearm owners you know like just having a plan in place and not like being like oh you have depression you can't have a gun or taking their guns away like having a plan like hey I know you're going through a rough time right now. Like, let's like, can I house your guns for a while? Can I take the key? Like, whatever. So just ask and have those conversations with people. But more importantly, like Michael said earlier, listen, 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 and be present as you listen. Like, don't be trying to problem solve. Don't be trying to throw in your two cents or your stigmas or anything like that. So very good advice. I'm glad you put it into a book and when you said like it's only 50 pages like I feel like that's ideal. No one needs a 200 page book to read about anger management, you know, like mental health like if especially if they're struggling and they're not going to want you know two hundred pages of this breakdown just like simple to the point and and beneficial. So congratulations on that. I hope this last revision is the last one. I know how that goes. You get to a point where you're just like, I'm over this book. I want to burn it. I do not want to read it again. <laughs> uh, so I hope that it's your last revision. And I love your hopes and dreams cuz again they're just so selfless like you're clearly you're doing very well with your own self care but I love that your mission and everything you're about is the selfless service to give back to veterans so thank you for joining us today michael thank you for your service to the our country and thank you for continuing to serve your veterans clearly your your service is not over and it and it won't come to an end I would say forever because the impact that you are having now will just have ripple effects for a lifetime so thank you for joining us I will be in touch and we look forward to updating the show notes with the link to your
1: book okay yeah thank you so much uh, for having me today like I said the more I can share uh, across the, the different platforms you know, and just reach, like I said, just reach one person. That's all I need to do, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I, if something you said or or I said today helps that one person, then that's all we need to do, you Absolutely. know, and then we just move on from that. But thank you for having me. Thank
0: you. I will be in touch. Okay. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And I will see you next time on Celebrate the Struggle.